Everybody, this is the POD cast. It's your favorite podcast about new metal. This is episode number 19. I am John Cullen, and with me is a man who needs some fucking cash. He needs some cash fast. He needs it now, right away, right away. Brian Quinby. You know, that's actually, I, I mean, I know I'm not supposed to take things seriously, but that's actually true. I'm going through <laughs> car issues right now, so I do need some fucking cash. <laughs> do you need it fast? Do you need it right away, right away? Yeah, yep, yep. I kind of do. Well, I could probably go for a week without it, you know? <laughs> okay. So it's not they're gonna as take urgent. Time. Yeah, it's going to take time for them to scam me and rip me off. But eventually, they're going to ask for a bunch of money, and that's what I'm going to have to do. Is you're going to have to get some it. fucking cash. Yeah, I'm going to have to go get some fucking cash. I got to get some fucking cash. Right away, right away. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, in case you haven't guessed from our very dumb riff off the top, as I said, this is episode 19, and this month we are covering Sugar Ray's Floored, uh, which if you're not familiar with Sugar Ray, other than their singles, you might be surprised uh, to learn that this would even qualify as part of the new metal oeuvre, uh, but uh, Sugar Ray were most certainly a new metal band up until Fly popped, but we're going to get to all that uh very soon brian what's going on with your car man it's a piece of shit and it's a <laughs> kia it's a kia uh, okay that'll and do kias it. are pieces of shit so i i've gone through i you know about six months ago or over the summer i had some car issues and what they do is they uh guess at what's wrong with it and then just charge me the money for the part <laughs> and the labor and then when it doesn't work they try another guess every time and this time it's it was supposed to be part of a recall i fucking took it in and the guy's like mm, that's gonna be like 950 dollars." and i was like well what about the recall and the fucking guy goes uh uh the guy goes uh well i can take 20 percent off and be 750 dollars." so now i'm just at war with the kia corporation i i called their <laughs> consumer affairs office Ooh. and now i'm dealing with yeah yeah i'm i'm in it Man, I got a case number. Those are some big words, man. I remember uh, my so my last car was a Chevy Sonic, uh, and it was uh, it was a good car until it all of a sudden the transmission broke uh, very mysteriously, like less than a year after the warranty on the car expired. Um, and I do remember, so the transmission was just like dead, and uh, I fought with them about it, and part of their resolution was because i was like how could the transmission be fucked already like it's only i've only had this car for six years whatever and they just kept being like well you could put a new transmission in the car the transmission was going to cost more than the car was worth anyway but part of their resolution was like well here's what we'll do i will take the transmission apart in front of you and show you what's wrong <laughs> with it i'm like well that is not how is this part that's not that's not like he the way that they presented it to me was like 
like I'm doing you a favor. This is like a big time compromise right here. What we're doing. Uh, we're compromising with you. Uh, yeah. We're going to show you why it's wrong. And I'm like, that's not anything. I'm mad yeah. because I've owned this car for six years and now it's a scrap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the guy, it, this was a really funny situation. I, I talked about it on street fight, but what happened is, so I took it to that dealership over the summer and they got like a thousand dollars out of me for, for a part, but then they, for a transmission, they just put a brand new transmission in. I for walk a thousand, into this place. Wow, that's cheap. Yeah. Well, I walk into this place and you know what I tell them? I tell them the car seems like it's not shifting right now. I'm a moron and I don't know how cars work. Right. So you would think that they would be like, hey, we're going to drive this around and uh, see what the problem is. Might not be the transmission. But instead, they were like, yeah, we're just going to replace the transmission. So I paid them that money and I got the cars doing the exact same thing. And I was like, I, I, I got a little psycho on them. And they replaced the catalytic converter for free, and that fixed the problem. And um, so I brought that up to them because I had brought the car in because the oil light was flashing. And I had gotten a letter from the company for a recall about oil light flashing. And they say, you know, we have to replace the engine and the car. And I was like, I'll take it in and, and, and get that fixed. And the goddamn guy is like, uh, uh, nah, it's just some oil sensor thing. That'll be $230. So I pay for it, pull right out of the parking lot, and it's doing the same exact thing. <laughs> so that was a guess. That was a fucking pure guess. And then so I get him on the phone. I'm like, do you understand why I'm skeptical of what you're saying <laughs> the problem is? You can look at my customer history, and you can see what the prob see what I've gone through. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing that happened over the summer, though, we fired that guy four months ago. And I'm like, that doesn't help me even yeah, a little no bit. Kidding. That guy was actually an idiot. We got rid of him. Well, then if he was an idiot, then I should be getting some shit for free because he <laughs> fucked up my yeah. car. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's truly wild. Telling me they fired the guy was just supposed to be some comfort to me. He was. Comforting yeah, it's the me. same thing when they were like, hey, we'll we'll take apart. I'll bring the transmission. It was the GM of the dealership was literally like, I'll bring I'll do it right here on my desk. I'll take the transmission apart on my desk and I'll show you what went wrong with it. I'm like, that is not that does not appease me in any way whatsoever. I don't know in what yeah. universe you think I would be like, oh, wow. What an upstanding guy. He's going to take apart the transmission in front of me. This will cure everything. <laughs> Same thing yeah. as them telling you they fired the guy like that. What does that do? That means nothing. <laughs> well, they tried a trick I did a lot when I was a cable guy on me, which is a genius trick. If you ever get a like a highly technical sort of job is when you start to explain when you know you're going to have to charge somebody money for something. You start to explain it to them and you use all of the insider industry words. You right, know what I course. mean? Yeah. Oh, hey, we ran an EV diag on that. And your your levels are just I would just be like, yeah, I mean, I hooked up my own meter to it and I, I wasn't getting the right amount of ohms. So I hooked up my signal level meter and it's looking like your backstream is somewhere around <laughs> minus 10, you know, and that's crazy. And we just have to charge you one hundred twenty dollars to fix that. You know what I mean? That's like how I would go into it. And that's what this guy did. He was just yeah. like, it looks like, uh, uh, first of all, he blamed it on an aftermarket oil filter. And I was like, you gotta be shitting me, dude, get out of here. But anyway, he was like, that's an oil change would do an oil change 39 99. And I was like, 
an oil change is not going to fix this problem. <laughs> but then he says, then we ran an EV diag and looked through some of the, you know, and he just started saying things yeah. that there's no way he thought I knew, but he was saying those things. So I would be like, oh, that sounds expensive. Right. Uh, uh, or or they kinda, say it in a way where you're like, that does sound like a problem. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way that they love to say things. Where they'll be like, oh, God, your, yeah, your EVB sensor is, I mean, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen an EVB. It's, it's crazy. So then you start to think like, holy shit, my EVB sensor is fucked up. That's, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. Like they're, they're just betting on the fact that you don't know how a car works and they're winning most of those bets. So you're like, like, okay. Since I know that trick, uh, as soon as he got done talking, I was like, how much is this going to cost me? And then he started to read the number. He's like, you want me to send that to you in an email or just give it to you right now? I'm like, buddy, I'm a podcaster. What do you think I'm busy doing? You know, I'm not a fucking paramedic. Just tell me what's going on. You know, I do like that too. I'm I, that, that's like what high school kids do when they're scared to like break up with their girlfriend. Like, Oh, I'll just, I'll email you later. I'll, I'll send you a DM later. I'll snap you later. What I like, he just doesn't want to have like a grown up conversation with you where he says the number to your face. He didn't want to say 900 and something dollars. He did not want to say those words. And then he didn't want to say 700. He's like, my manager said I could take 20% right off the top. And I was like, for some reason, I don't think that's going to put it in a price range that's going to make me happy either. (laughs) Well, it's also like, why didn't we start there? You know, like if your manager already told you you could take 20% off, why did we start at 950? I already don't trust you just based on that. Like, again, they make it sound like they did a favor. Well, I cleared it with my manager before you got here and i can actually give you up to 20 percent off it's like well you know where where was that when we got going it's like well it's like when you fly somewhere and the the you know the pilot like you'll be stuck on the tarmac for like a little bit long and then the pilot will be like oh we'll just make that time up in the air it's like well then why aren't we fucking flying way faster to start with <laughs> if you can get there in three hours why is it taking four and a half hours like yeah. oh you're just gonna make it up in the air how about you make it up in the air every fucking time we get up in the air yeah, step on it, pilot. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. You guys got a so, gas pedal up there? How does that work? <laughs> he could tell I was pissed. And so I did the most psycho thing I've ever done. And I just went like this. I was like, sir, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the corporation. I think you're great. Like That's what I said. To him. <laughs> that's saucy. That's a saucy move. You try to get him on your team. Yeah, because I'm such a dude that's like, you know, very conscious of how I treat people in customer service situations. Sure, yeah. So I I had to tell him I thought he was great. But then, like, you know, he was like, if you're not satisfied, just call Consumer Affairs. And I was like, I'm going to call fucking Consumer Affairs, my dude. And I called. And a nice lady got on the phone and gave me a case number. And uh, we'll see. You know, I'm hoping nice. to get it down to, like, I mean, if they're going to rip me off, I'd rather them get like $250 out of me than like $750. And that's really what I'm hoping for, you know, but we'll see. Like, you know, I'm, it's not real. I'm, I'm making jokes about needing cash. I'm, I'm doing okay. And I will be able to afford it. I just don't want to. And now it's about the principle, you know, now I'm, now I'm being taking a principled stance against the car people. 
Yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm I, I know all about doing things because of the principle. That's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of you are probably thinking to yourself, especially if this is your first ever time experiencing the POD cast. You know, I thought this was a podcast about new metal. What are they? Why are they talking about cars? And that is if you're saying that you're someone who did not do their homework and did not listen podcast. to floored by sugar ray because yes we do this every episode but also this album uh it's very related to cars almost right off the bat and i'm just so excited to talk about this album i think we should just get into it here bry um yes. the uh the album we're doing this month is as we said sugar ray's floored give you some of the background uh the album was released on june 24th 19 1997. Uh, so this actually came out right in the middle of the new metal boom. Uh, you probably are familiar with the album because it is the album that contains the single Fly. This album went double platinum on the back of that song. Uh, it peaked at number 12 on the US Billboard 200 and finished the 1997 year at number 61. Uh, it also finished 1998 at 116 on the Billboard 200 because Fly was just that good for that long. Fly itself uh, actually held the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 Airplay chart for four consecutive weeks, and it spent eight weeks at the number one spot on the Modern Rock Tracks chart, and it likely would have charted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. However, it was ineligible to chart because they never released it as a true single. Uh, so back in those days, you had to actually release the song as a single in order for it to be considered for the Hot 100. So it didn't make it there. Uh, however, uh, it like we said, it did propel Floored to going double platinum. Uh, the album, uh, as I said, came out in 1997. It was recorded over the years 1996 and 1997. It was produced by David Kahn, and it came out on Atlantic. And uh, I think that's really all the background that we need to know. Uh, Brian, uh, you know, what uh, did you have any? Because this would have been right when you were a huge new metal fan. Did you have uh -huh. any? What's, what's your history with Sugar Ray? What was your exposure to Sugar Ray back in the day when this came out? Well, very famously... We do know that there was a picture of Mark McGrath in my bedroom on my wall <laughs> at the time in 1999. And, uh, and why uh, is that, Brian? Because my wife found him highly attractive. <laughs> and and you, I got to tell you the truth, though. I got to tell you the truth, though. I find him highly attractive. He is a very I mean, good-looking man. He's just very good-looking. I mean, this yeah. guy was going to be famous no matter what. Mm -hmm. There's just not a lot of guys that look like him. You know? That's, no, you're absolutely right. So uh, I, I hated him. I, you know, this this is the kind of thing that is like now we're now we're touching up against like like this was a boy band basically to me. It was just like there was nothing in it for a guy like me at that time, a grungy redneck guy. I mean, none of us were gonna like Sugar Ray at all. I mean, flies fly bangs. You know what I mean? And I like every morning there's a hey. Oh, I like those songs. It's a great song. Now, now in my adult life, I like those songs and I can admit it. But buddy, you do not say you like Sugar Ray in Groveport, Ohio in 1998. <laughs> 
Now, but here's the thing for me, because Sugar Ray had an album. Came, this is their second album. So their first album was called Lemonade and Brownies. And it came out in 1995. And it was uh, a new metal, like pretty much new metal from cover to cover. And really, this album is, I mean, we'll get into it. It's maybe not fully exactly new metal, but it's definitely has a lot of new metal trappings. Um, so would you not have, uh, you know, would you not have thought of Sugar Ray as a kind of new metal band? Like, was it just so clouded by Fly at the time? I think you would have had to <clears throat> been from California to think that, you okay. know, because, because Sugar Ray, this is not well known. I, I read a book a couple uh, like last year called Louder Than Hell, and it was an oral history of heavy metal and sugar ray comes up a lot in the new metal chapter as a band that was running around with corn deftone system of a down and incubus they were all like kind of together so i suppose if you were in california and you were going to concerts in la then you would probably associate sugar ray to that scene but by the time it made its way here you wouldn't, I, you know, they were just associated with fly by the time it got to me, I never heard of lemonade and brownies, which, right. you know, after reading the articles you sent me, I don't think a lot of people did like that. The no, album is yeah, like a yeah. notorious flop. And, uh, if this album's, uh, uh, heavy sound is any indication then I don't think it's that heavy, you know, right. just, just purely just in heaviness standard. This is not a heavy album to me. No. No, no. I mean, it doesn't. It's it's interesting because I so my history with Sugar Ray is obviously just based on Fly. I mean, this album came out when I was 12. Uh, so, you know, for me, obviously, like Fly was everywhere. It was on much music. It was on the radio. I think it was on uh, Big Shiny Tunes too. maybe was Fly on there. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, you know, they were just that, you know, you knew Fly. They were it was it was everywhere. It was such a big song. And so, of course, that was like most people's exposure to Sugar Ray. And I remember um, like it almost being this sort of like urban legend because I remember like someone at my school had floored. And I remember it being this thing like Sugar Ray's not actually like fly. Like it was almost like this. It was almost kind of whispered about like, you know, oh, like, yeah, you've heard fly, but like their album has a bunch of swears on it and it's got, you know, and it's funny to me, like the only song when I was going back and listening through to this that I remembered was cash because when I was 12, you know, the whole, like the, him just saying fuck that many times was like, so cool to us. Like I can remember walking around the playground being like cash. I need some fucking cash. I need some cash fast. I need it now, but away right away. Yeah. Cash. I need to fuck it. Like we just thought like, Holy shit. This guy just said, fuck so many times in this song. This is the coolest thing ever. This is the guy who did fly. He's saying fuck like 30 <laughs> times on here. Can you believe this shit? So I remember, I specifically remember like that part of the, of the record just like thinking like like sugar ray tricked us man like this is crazy can he even do that those concerts yeah. are you even allowed to release an album like this yeah the, and i the, remember talking about the parental advisory sticker too being like the guys that wrote fly like the album that's on it's got the parental advisory sticker on there man yeah i mean this album is a, a a cynical album i think i mean I, I don't read that into mark mcgrath's interviews he seems like a good guy or whatever but to me 
this album felt like throwing a lot of shit against the wall to see which one's a hit. These were all intended to be bangers, singles, you know, uh, RPM is a novelty. It could have been a novelty song. They could have hit with RPM as like a novelty song. You get a video, you got some cars driving around in a circle and that (laughs) car noise. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like people maybe would have gone off to that too. You know, there, every song on here had the intention to be, there wasn't filler. You know what I mean? In the traditional sense of filler. I think this was trying, I don't remember how many songs are on the album, but I think this was trying that many things, you know? Well, there's 13 songs or 12 if you count the fact that flies on it twice. That's genius, though. I got to tell you, man, I once heard a story about the band AHA and that they play Take On Me twice during their concert. And and, and I was always just like, you know what? That's, I love you that. You should do that. Yeah. That makes perfect that. sense to me. That makes perfect sense. I love it. I mean, play it three times. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like play, play it in between play it every times. song. Yeah, yeah. Play it in between every song. <laughs> Even just the chorus. You know, you don't have to play the whole thing, but just give a take on me and then just go into the next song. We would all love it. It would be so good. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I agree. Like, I think part of what makes this record so interesting and I agree like the, 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 I like what you said about filler. Like the, the album comes across as having a lot of filler on it only now that we're looking at it 24 years in the future. And we can see that fly was the only song that made it off of this record. And so you go, okay, well the rest of these songs are kind of filler, but you're right in the sense that like most bands at this time, filler songs sounded basically like the single. They were like just lesser versions of the single, whereas Mm. nothing on this album sounds like fly at all. I mean, nothing, there's nothing anywhere on here close to fly. And I remember the album that came out after this 1459, which had every morning and someday on it or whatever. Both good songs. Great songs. I love those songs. Yeah, they're great songs. And I do remember even on that album, they still had a couple heavier tracks because I feel like they felt like, oh, we got to stay. We got to stay at least a little bit close to our roots. You know, like we this is how we started and we got to throw the people who like the new metal or the heavier side of us. We got to throw them a bone. We got, you know, we're, we're doing a pop turn, but we're not going too crazy with it. It feels like they were trying also just. This album also has like a little bit of it sounds a little Scottish without horns. For sure. There's a there's a little bit of punk stuff. There's there's some shit. Uh, I fuck. I had it written down. One of these songs sounds like Primus. Actually, I literally, a couple of these songs sound like dude, Primus. I this is so funny. Okay, so I, I was gonna get into this later, but I love that you just brought that up because I literally wrote down what every song on this record, what band it's trying to mimic because I genuinely, (laughs) because I genuinely, it's, it's funny. Like what you were saying about them just trying a bunch of things and seeing which one was a hit. I literally was like, it's not only that, it seems like they're trying to do other people's hits. Like it seems like they're trying to get into it. And so I'm not even joking. Here's my note right here. You, there you go. Uh, I have stand and deliver sounding like Primus. (laughs) 
Uh, yes. So I do have Primus on there. Uh, we can get into it more. Uh, what other bands I believe they're mimicking on here? Uh, I need later to hear. On. I need to hear the whole thing now. Okay, I, right. I definitely want to hear the. Not right. You don't have to do it right now. I just. I am uh, so interested in this. Yeah. No. We, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might as well. I don't. I don't know why we would do it. It doesn't matter. We can do it whenever we want. But yeah. So. Um, if you read one of the interviews uh, uh, from this uh, this time period that we were looking at was um, I can't remember if it was the Rolling Stone one or the Chicago Tribune one, um, but they were talking to Mark McGrath about fly and they and, and so the story went that Mark McGrath. Uh, did, hated fly. So, so essentially, that. <laughs> can, well, I ta- can I just say, I don't believe that at all. And I have reasons for it that I was going to touch on when we do the uh, articles. Okay. Like I, I just, I don't believe a fucking word of that story. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. But so you can get to there when we get to the articles, but for the purposes okay. of this part, uh, Mark McGrath says that like he was out of the room when they came up with fly that essentially the bassist started playing the kind of like two note bass riff that's on it the the guitar player started doing the like thing and they were just like oh is this like a song and then mark mcgrath claims that he heard that stormed out of the room was like if that's who this band is i'm i'm out i'm fucking out of this band and he said that his main thing going into floored was he wanted the band to sound like corn and i fully believe that so i actually believe that they have five songs on here that are trying to be corn i believe that rpm breathe anyone invisible and right direction are all trying to be corn to me those are all clearly capitalizing on the new metal sound specifically life is peachy i actually it's interesting life is peachy came out one year before this album i actually think that they're trying to mimic life is peachy era corn um becca just came in with fresh cookies Thanks, Becca. Oh, you lucky fucker. I know. Jeez. What a guy. What a guy. I, I am very lucky. I have a great fiance. Uh, so, yeah. So those are the songs I believe are trying to be corn. Uh, then Fly. Uh, I don't even know. I think they're just trying to make a pop hit Sugar with that Ray. song. Yeah, they're yeah, just trying to be Sugar Ray. Yeah. And then uh, I love Speed Home California, which I believe is a uh, take on <sighs> Sweet Home Alabama. Speed Home California. Speed Home California. It's a terrible song. To me, that just sounds like skate punk. I don't think it sounds like any particular yeah. band. It just sounds like what was going on in the sort of skate punk uh, thing at the time. Uh, then the next song is Tapped Twi- Tap Twist Snap, which I believe is mimicking Black Flag. Uh, I believe they're going for the sort of like hardcore, but without being super hardcore punk sort of aesthetic. That song is also about like doing drugs. Um, to me, it just fits in that sort of aesthetic. Uh, American Pig is trying to be Pantera. Uh, very like riff based, heavy, low end riff based song. Uh, that's the closest Mark McGrath kind of gets to screaming on the album. Uh, then as I said, stand and deliver, uh, to me is Primus. Um, and cash is just like sort of not Primus, but sort of capitalizing on that kind of novelty ish sort of thing. Oh, and I also thought that, um, I missed, uh, high anxiety. Uh, they're trying to be the pixies. Uh, that was like the only <laughs> song that had the sort of quiet, loud, quiet. It kind of starts out with like a really sort of like uh, a really like muted kind of guitar part uh, and then gets loud. So to me, 
uh, th- those were the bands that I saw as uh, Sugar Ray was like directly trying to rip off. Uh, yeah. Did you, and, and then, yeah, you were saying ska, like I definitely heard some Goldfinger on here as well, uh, at times. And, uh, that, that kind of thing. Was there, were there, were there other bands that you thought of Bryant? Sublime. I oh, thought Sublime of for sure. Yes. I mean, that's probably fly too. Fly yes. Is- Sublime is yes. You're right. I just find it interesting that like that they, it's not a bad thing that they were shooting for corn, right? Because corn was like, that was a period when corn was still novel. It was 1996, 97. That that's first album corn and, and life is peachy. And uh, there's nothing wrong with like sort of chasing that scene. I just thought they were like very unsuccessful. I mean, especially when you talk about the songs that you said sound like corn, like, I heard a little bit of that, but I don't think you can do corn Sugar Ray style. I just don't know if the music works that way. Well, I mean, we're in 2021 and no one's done corn, right? Like what other band that's popular sounds like corn? There isn't one. It's corn is like an anomaly. But I don't think you can. I, I think, well, obviously it ended up being proven by Limp Bizkit, but I don't know that like you can do frat rock corn style. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think that ends up working very well. You have to do your own kind of thing. And my Mark, Mark McGrath, not a good singer, bad singer, also bad singer. And you can't imagine him rapping. He talks about it. Like, it's interesting. Um, he was on uh, Yeah, But Still uh, with Brandon Wardell and Jack Wagner. Um, he was on their podcast and he was like very frank. And even in some of these articles that you and I are going to get to later, like he's very frank about the fact that he's like not that good of a singer, um, but he is not that good. I mean, he's quite a bad singer. <laughs> it's like I don't it's almost like I didn't remember him being this bad, you know? Yeah, there's also like nothing I, like I don't I don't hold that against a singer because like there's yeah. a lot of bands I listen to that don't have very good singers, but I also can't imagine him rapping. So like no. I kind of I kind of think that the rest of the band saw him and they were like, you know what, he can't do anything well, but uh, uh, he'll make us famous because he's, he's very handsome. Yeah, he's, he's hot. just hot, you know. And uh, from what I read, like those early years, he was a hell of a front man. I, I mean, yeah. maybe he still was, but like he was climbing shit and fighting in the audience and spitting on people and stuff like that, which is always yeah. very cool. Any band that does that is cool like guaranteed for to get to a certain level it's just you have to get to the uh uh he ended up on the 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 next level from that and had to had to even cool out with that shit you know it was like you can't you can't do this in front of a bunch of teenage girls (laughs) well to me there's a couple things that really stand out on this record for me that are kind of in that same vein um, I just don't think the music is very good. Like the like no. musicianship, like the, the, it, to me, it really sounds like a high school band and I don't think it's recorded well at all. I think it sounds like 
shit. Uh, the, like the guitar tone on some of these songs is fucking putrid. Like it yeah. is awful to listen to. Like just it truly sounds like a high schooler plugging into a Marshall stack, having no clue what to do, cranking everything and then just being like, I don't know, this is good. Right. And it's weird because I looked up the producer because I was like, this producer must not know. And he's worked with like some pretty big bands. He's, he's produced like Tony Bennett, The Strokes. Uh, he did a bunch of bands around this time. So he was like a good, and I mean, they were signed to Atlantic. So, you know, in 1997, you're signed to Atlantic. I mean, your advance is probably a quarter million at least. So like they're recording it in a good studio, but it sounded like my high school band being gifted recording time. The producer being like, whatever, these guys suck. I'm not going to try. Uh, and then <laughs> this coming out, like it just, the whole thing sounds like shit. The drum tone is bad. The bass is muddy and brutal. And then, yeah, like the guitar tone is a joke. I like, I almost want to, I'm trying to think of like, there are some songs where it just like it stands out as like so awful. I'm trying to think of one like is it tap twist snap where it just starts and you're like, oh, I hate the sound of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's also funny when you think about it. You, you know, the reason it probably sounds as bad as it does is the corn influence. That is where the I think the corn influence came in. It might be intentionally like that, and it's the same thing I was saying with with like writing. Uh, uh, or, or like the songs being like with him not singing. It's like you want him to be charming if he's not going to be able to sing. And like he does not come off as charming in any song except for Fly. You know what I yeah. mean? Fly is like this outlier. The rest of the songs, you're like, I don't want to be in a room with this fucking guy. You know what I mean? The guy that wrote this, not into him. You know, I don't want to be around him. So, so like that was something that was really like just there was not enough of the new metal aesthetic for me. There, this album didn't have a chance with me. The the album artwork, oh, was, was not supposed to be it was supposed to, to look like a pinball machine. Yeah, that's not appealing to anybody. No, well, I it mean, looks like shit. It's, it's like for those bowling alley punk guys. You know what yeah. I mean? They would be yeah. like really into it. And, oh, that's uh, so cool. It's like a pinball machine, dude. Oh, yeah. fucking hell yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, even just like when you say it's like a pinball machine, but it's also just like Mark McGrath with like his shirt off, just kind of jumping out at you. It's like, is yeah. a guy like me going to buy this in 1998? No. No, no, absolutely fucking not. I don't want to walk out with this album in my hand. This album cover, the album cover is totally the record label being like, look, we just got to get Mark McGrath out there front and center on this totally. thing and this will sell. Like, people would just pick it up in the store because he's hot and that's what works. But like that didn't. That's why I don't think these guys have a large new metal footprint because it's like the people that were into new metal were not going to buy that album cover you know it wasn't anything that they were going to say also just by the fact that like guys like me were like really into like the emotional content of the songs you know what For i mean sure. like it was yeah. just like you know jonathan davis crying chino sounds like you know everything chino sounds I don't know, like he's singing and like, but he sounds pained sometimes. Fred Durst, even who wasn't even around by this time or may have been just like recording $3 bill y'all. But like uh, uh, Fred Durst even was like, uh, uh, he was loud and he was like, uh, um, 
he was in pain. He he got broke up with. <laughs> and yeah. like uh, these songs don't have any of that pain at all. There's well, no pain. And I think the thing with Fred is like Fred's not that talented, but his voice is very emotive, right? Like, and he has a style to his voice. And Mark McGrath doesn't have that at all. I mean, there's no, no. <laughs> there's no style to on any different on any given song. He can sound completely different. Like I think you said you thought there was one song where he sounded like Surge from System of a Down, which is funny because System of a Down's album wasn't even out yet when this would have came out. But it did kind of sound like that. Like it sounded like he was kind of trying to do something completely different with that. Um, I totally believe uh, that he, yeah, like even like Speed Home California is like a good one where Ugh. he's like almost putting on like uh like a country act. Like it's like Speed Home mm-hmm. California, Speed Home. Like he doesn't yeah. have, there's no vocal. He doesn't have like a vocal pocket. Like with Fred, I don't, Fred's not a good singer, but you hear a Limp Biscuit song and you immediately know it's a Limp, you know, it's Limp Biscuit. You know, he's got that like that, that kind of notable vocal tone. And it's like you said, you don't have to be a good singer, but you have to be expressive. I have to believe in what you're saying to me. Most of this just came across as like just throwing ideas at the wall vocally as well. Not just sing, not just like music wise, but just vocally too. just like, Oh, how can I sing these words? And, and like even fly, like the lyrics of fly make no sense at all. I mean, none zero, like, and it's fine again, lyrics. I'm, you know, lyrics don't have to make sense, but like they make no sense at all. There's nothing going on there where you could latch onto and be like, yeah, this guy's really got to, there's some deepness to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just no like point of view with this guy. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm just going to say some stuff that like really that, that, that like, you know, evokes a party really it sounds like he was just trying to put on a party which i just don't think mixes well but what you were saying about system of a down uh he was doing shows with them though like they were around there in that early part yeah. so and like he had heard, yeah yeah he had heard surge singing and i do think that like uh, i think it's stand and deliver has a lot of a uh, system of a like for system sure. of a down affectation banana, banana, banana terracotta banana terracotta <laughs> it's the same thing as stand and deliver's got the like yeah and stand and deliver is one of the worst songs i've ever heard like, it's one of the worst songs we've song. ever covered it it is one of the worst fucking songs we have ever co- there are two moments on this album that are the worst things we've ever covered in my for me and i mean we've covered some dire shit dude i mean we just did methods of mayhem get naked we've done all man manner of cynical bullshit we've almost been doing this show for two years the whole song stand and deliver is a fucking joke i mean i don't even know who that's supposed to be for who is listening to that song and is like hell yeah this rips i love this shit that's number one. Number two, we never play the songs. It, we've done 19 episodes. We have never played a clip of a song on the POD cast, but I am actually going to get producer Dan to insert just this one clip from RPM because the song RPM has sat like vehicle revving noises that the guitar tries to match and then at one point, the DJ scratches the rev sound effect 
to like stop and start the revving sound effect. And it is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. And Dan's going to insert it right now so you can hear how dumb it is. And I'll say this too: when you start thinking about like this, this, the this genre of music, this new metal, it's like, is this guy just singing about cars? Like that, it doesn't work, you know. I, I, I think it's funny that they were shooting for that. I think it's very funny that they were shooting to do a new metal album, and this is what came out of them. You know, like it is like totally. so out of of what new metal is but it is like aping the sounds of it it's like a a a kind of soulless version of this kind of music which is also it's kind of funny when you think about like they ended up being really famous but i wonder what happens if flies not on this album like like are they just in there with the with the corns the limp biscuits the system of a down like are they in that class of bands or are they in that upper echelon of bands i yeah i agree i don't think they are i don't i just don't think think they were good enough i think they become like uh like an orgy like and and i'm not saying musically i think orgies was pretty good i mean that album is is pretty good but like orgy never really went anywhere you know sugar ray kind of has that feel to me as well and orgy kind of has the same thing jay gordon his dad was like a high-powered exec he's good looking you know they had the whole makeup and aesthetic kind of thing going on i think that's sugar ray's destiny as well it's like They probably stay in and around a major label for another couple albums just because Mark McGrath is hot. Uh, And then they just are kind of around like, yeah, maybe they're on the Family Values tour. Maybe they're kind of kicking around a little bit opening for Disturbed and whatever. But they never they never go further than that. I don't think. I mean, I just truly I got to tell you, and and I know I'm obsessing on the cover of this album. No, but like. I just think that like, okay, so one of the guys in the band, I don't know what he plays. He's probably the drummer because he's the only one not holding an instrument. Yeah, it's a drummer. Uh, uh, He has a bunch of money in his hands and he's standing in like a pool of money with a martini glass. Like, is that really going to appeal to a, to a guy from in Ohio? You know what I mean? Like that that is listening to metal. Um, and then you got the guitarist. Uh, you know, those guys, they all look kind of normal. There's like a Corvette or a, a, a muscle car on there. And then the DJ is throwing records and looks very <laughs> like badly photoshopped into the whole thing. But like, uh, uh, I just wonder... I just wonder like who that like it really makes you wonder who is this for? Is this just for people in California? Yes. <laughs> like, is this literally. album just made for people in California? Maybe I honestly think it was like a balance. Like I think it was a, I think it was I, I cause the album cover to me kind of reminds me of the sort of cash money type album cover, you know, where it's just like a very busy album cover, big font, pictures of the people involved it's kind of that rap album sort of that west coast rap album style of cover but like 
yeah, it, it see it does fully seem like they're balancing the their sort of California nature that they want to be this California party band, but they also want to be like big and popular. And so to me, it's kind of like they're trying to combine those two elements and it doesn't work in any facet. It doesn't work on the album art. It doesn't work on the album itself. But it seems to me like they're trying to have their foot in like both pools. They're they're trying to be sublime, but then they're also trying to be corn. And it's like you kind of can't be both of those. Like those are two very disparate bands. You can't (laughs) be sublime and corn. You know what I mean? And that kind of feels like where they're at. And I think I think to me, Fly, you know, it's, it's interesting. You were talking about like where they would be if this record didn't have Fly. And I also think like, where would this record be if it didn't have the version of fly with super cat? Cause I actually yeah. think it's really interesting having both of them on the album. And it was funny. One of the interviews, I didn't send it to you, Brian, but they interviewed the guitarist and they asked why they had both versions of fly on it. And the guitarist basically said that that was for like the fans. Cause like, I guess they originally released fly without super cat. And then with super cat came later and that's when it blew up. And he specifically mentioned the breeders and he was like, the breeders did that once where they had two versions of a song and they didn't put them both on the album. And the one that I liked more was the one that got played on the radio. And I was like pissed off. So he's like, we kind of put that on there for the fans. We're like, if you don't necessarily like the version with Supercat, we've given you the version without. And it's not like I think that Supercat's part, pardon me, is really groundbreaking. But like, if you didn't listen to this record before you listen to this podcast, I would urge you to listen to both versions because the version without Supercat sounds so sparse. Like it just feels like there's just not a lot going on. And it it does kind of feel like the way they described it. Like, ah, oh, yeah, we just sort of wrote it in the studio on a whim, whatever. And um, yeah, I just felt like it didn't it didn't have the uh, it didn't have the juice that the version with Supercat has, which I think is a really good song. I've always been a huge fan of Fly. I think it's a great song. Uh, and I think the version without him is really like half as good. It sucks. And and it has a guitar solo part in it too. Yeah. Where the that replaces the super cat part with like sort of a guitar I, I they're trying to make it heavy. That's where it says it's for the fans. That's why he said it was for the fans. There's a part where they they tried to ride some line of being heavy and also fly and it didn't work at all like it didn't like it sounded crappy it sounded crappier than the version with super cap which i like that one too i think that one's good but i it is really wild you could have two versions of the same song on it and one of them sucks shit and the other one's really good and it's all on one guy that's not in the band yeah oh i know and you know what's really (laughs) funny too like referencing that yeah but still episode uh, Mark McGrath said that they have never performed the song with Supercat. He refuses no, no. to he refuses to perform it with them. So he like he said what the way he described it was like I guess Supercat came into the studio was like very low key, didn't even really seem that into it. Um, and then yeah, when the song blew up, I think they had a few opportunities. I don't know if it was at the Grammys, I can't remember or MTV Video Music Awards, or I don't remember. But he kind of said like they asked Supercat a few times, like, hey, like 
you know, you should come up and perform this song with us. And he was like, no, <laughs> no, nah, I don't want to do that. It sucks. You know what yeah. I mean? Like super cat probably thinks the song sucks for uh, sure. He it, does for real. sure. And Mark kind of indicated on the pod. He didn't fully like he was supportive. Like he was kind of like, yeah, you know, like I get it. Like, he, you know, maybe he just wasn't that into it, which is cool. But like, <laughs> it's also not a great sign. You know what vibes I get from it is HR from Bad Brains on POD Satellite. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's that kind of thing where it's like, why, what the fuck happened here? You know? And, and like, I, that's not the only kind of parallel that I drew with POD Satellite. I think this is the close, this album and that album are, are spiritual brothers. You know, they're like the, 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 the I remember the song reggae jam. The first yeah. thing that popped into my head when stand and deliver started playing was reggae jam. I was just like, yeah. this is fucking reggae jam, man. This is their <laughs> reggae jam. They wrote a fucking POD song. But but like this album reminds me a lot of satellite because it is not dark. It is. It has a, a, a brightness to it. But like a brightness with this kind of music doesn't fucking work to me. It's like Christian death metal. That's what it feels like. It right. just feels like Christian death metal where it's like, how the fuck are you so angry about Christ? If you love <laughs> Jesus so much, like, what is making you so mad about it? And that's like, <laughs> that's like how I feel about this album. It's like, what are you so heavy about, man? What's going yeah. on? Why well, are you it, so crazy about this shit <laughs> it has the pod vibe too where like pod tries to get serious sometimes you know like youth of the nation and stuff where they like they're like we want to talk about heavy shit but then the music is like we're going to talk about heavy shit but we're also going to put a children's choir in the background uh this is going to be really <laughs> treble heavy uh you know it's going to sound kind of like happy even though it's sad and it's kind of the same thing with sugar ray it's like he does he does talk in these songs about like doing drugs and you know being an alcoholic and and you know having failed relationships but it doesn't ah. come across that way because all the songs are just like like you can't have you know there there has to be a matchup of the of the sort of tone of the music and the tone of the lyrics you know and even like i think rpm is like a funny example of the incongruity of the uh, of like the music and the lyrics because like you said rpm totally comes across as this novelty song it's like it's built around uh, the sound effect of a car revving and it goes through the whole song the song is called rpm and then the song is not about driving cars <laughs> it's like the song if you're gonna do that at least make the song about like street racing on venice beach or something like that like the lyrics to rpm are uh, you will recover when you discover baby. There is no other when you recover baby. And when the mood is right, you'll get it every night. Go on and play it light. You're on the other side. You're beautiful. You saw me. You're beautiful. It's me. And then the chorus is, I will let you, I will let you down. And the whole, so and that, so it's like, it's like, I will let you down. And it's like, he's kind of singing in this like minor key, while like a fucking revving car engine is playing in the background. It doesn't make any sense. Like the song should just be like racing at night, me and the boys driving our cars. Like, with, like what's going on? It's so confusing. 
How could he not do a version of fuel? Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that yeah, is what totally. you do with car noises, you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, and some of the lyrics on these, this is, are so fucking weird. The the song "High High Anxiety" has the lyric "Black guys help the white guys." Yeah, I have no idea what that means, but I am imagining no. it wasn't done in a way that is respected. <laughs> Well, there's also uh, there's like a controversial lyric on lemonade and brownies, too, uh, that I that I uh, found in one of the interviews I was reading about. I'd have to go back and find it because I know it's not in the ones we read, but there's like it's something about like um, like he mentions like black women for some reason on it. And it's like really strange let me see if i can find it so that it doesn't i mean seem and like then I'm... like i want to read a few more lyrics from that Please, too yeah did you or did you not you're goddamn right i did see the product you'll turn out like me i got a lot of pent-up hostility towards you i don't know how that works uh give me a beer bitch because a good mom is hard to find i'm okay and i'm all right like imagine listening to this after listening to corn <laughs> I just daddy just ended. I'm popping on floored by Sugar Ray now and I'm going to listen to fucking high anxiety. I'm going to listen to a guy say when I get my balls inside of my hands, I'm your maintenance man. Like that's <laughs> what I want to hear. Yeah. That you are really reading the uh uh you're really reading the room here, Mark McGrath. Well, there's literally a song called Big Black Woman on Lemonade and Brownies. That's what I was getting ah. at. And yeah. uh, it, this chorus is back off big black woman. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, that was a comedy, though, back then, too. Sure. Like in, yeah. In of course, the, 1990s. Yeah. Yeah. People would just be like, I'm black women, you know, crazy, huh? And then like the whole audience would fucking be rolling in the aisles laughing and shit. That was like how comedy was back then. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 It's just it's so weird to see. And and just I think it's interesting. uh, You know, one one thing I've been thinking about when you brought up the album art, too, is that it's funny if you look at the album art of 1459 their next album compared with this one where it's clear like in this one like we said they kind of definitely there it seems like they're sort of trying to appeal to like three different audiences with this album cover whereas the 1459 one is just someone standing at the top of a diving board looking over a swimming pool it's like bright blue the album's called 1459 which is already funny in and of itself because they're kind of making fun of the fact that everyone was calling them a one-hit wonder uh and it just it totally leaned into the like yeah we're a pop band now uh aesthetic which i thought was really uh you know really interesting and really measured uh given you know given all of that well in one of the articles you sent me they do call them so they're like yeah you know we were always keeping track of our peers the smash mouths the everclears of the world like they really just were like we're no longer metal after this i mean i guess as you said they may have put a few heavier songs on the albums but i'll bet i mean the heavy songs on here don't aren't actually that heavy you know like you said the guitar sounds like dog shit it's like all tinny like there's no heaviness at all to this album You, you can't hear the bass at all it's like no. Injustice for All by Metallica. They just edited out all the bass so that people wouldn't get scared when they listened to it or something. But uh, 
What a weird career, though. I, I mean, just a truly fascinating career of being like guys that were just they tried fucking everything, dude. They were like, OK, so when did Lemonade and Brownies come out? Because 95. Like, it, it, so that it goes funny 95, to think- 97, 99 for 1459. Then they put out two more albums in 2003 and 2009, which so, were not popular. You know, what were the popular rock albums in 1995 were probably some of the grunge shit. Yeah, still, still at the grunge era. Yeah, yeah, Pearl you know, Jam, we're Soundgarden, doing, Alice and, in Chains. And, like, all of that stuff, you know, was influenced by punk. And I yeah. haven't listened to to Lemonade and Brownies, but my and guess is be. that it's like, <laughs> I will never. But I, I'm guessing... <laughs> I mean, we might have to for this podcast eventually, but... Oh, I I won't be putting it in a poll, so it would be your fault if we had to do it. <laughs> I won't be putting it in a poll, at least not anytime soon, that's for sure. Wait a minute, like, because I'll bet you that one sounds like, like Blink-182 or something, you know? Like, I don't know if Blink-182, when they came out, but uh, I'll bet you that uh, one yeah, sounds... Yeah, Dude Ranch was 96, I think, 95? 96. Yeah, yeah I, I just feel like they were chasing some trends and shit, and and like oh, yeah. uh, they found one that worked for. Yeah, Blink One Eighty Two formed in nineteen ninety two, so yeah. like I knew there they had songs out when I was in high school. I I knew that for a fact, and like uh, uh, I would wonder if Lemonade and Brownies was more like that, and then Mark McGrath was like, yeah, their debut came out in ninety five. Dude Ranch was ninety seven, so. I, right. I don't know. It just to, and they're a California band. I just kind of wonder if I just kind of wonder if they were like fought. They they thought they saw one trend and they went for it. Didn't work. Mark McGrath is like, I just want to be in corn, which, by the way, why would a guy that looks like that want to do corn anyway? <laughs> because guys That's that look like that are always trying to be in corn They're there because they're they've lived their whole life with everyone telling them. Yes, they're like, I want someone to say no to me for once. I want to know how that feels. Yeah, you want an audience full of fucking dudes that smell yeah. like armpits. That's what it's you're like, shooting for, Mark. It's McGrath? like corn. Corn exists because Jonathan Davis wanted to be cool. Like Jonathan Davis was a loser his whole life and wanted to be cool, and that's how you get corn. And Mark McGrath was cool his whole life and was like, "How can I be less cool to get down to being corn?" <laughs> and you right, can't but- go. The, you can't go the other way. You can only go up. You can't go down. You can't unhot yourself. Mark McGrath was always going to be hot. He could never get away from that. But put yourself in that that mind state. You know. When you think about like a guy that's like, I want to be corn, but I'm like extremely good looking. I don't have pain to sing about really, but uh, I just, I want to be corn because like, like what reason, like why were you, why, what were you working towards to get there? First of all, like none of this album even comes close to figuring that out. And and you're this good looking guy. You got this song fly which hadn't been written yet, but as they were writing it, you're like, you get this song fly. If I'm Mark McGrath, I'm just making all the songs fly on the album. As soon as that song's done, I'm like, that's it. That's going to be what gets us because like that song is such an undeniable hit. There's no way that song wouldn't have been a hit. And you just got to wonder like, why was he trying to do something different than that? Like what the fuck kind of deal is that? Like, (laughs) 
what do you like what kind of audience are you looking to have do you want me in your audience or do you want women in your audience Uh, yeah for sure for sure i I mean i guess it maybe just comes down to like he just really liked corn's music that's you know and was just like you know but probably right like that probably has to be it i know that um he mentioned on on yeah but still that he used to hang out with marilyn manson all the time and corn and and like i think he thought to him those guys were cool it's like I guess what it is, is is it's like Brian to guys like you and me who are kind of maybe like loners in high school or or not even loners, but just like, you know, we are into metal and whatever, like we wanted to be Mark McGrath or we thought like that's what was cool. And it, I think it's just like you always want to be something you're not right. Like, yeah. So even if you're hot, even if you're Mark McGrath and your whole life has been really cool and you've had a ton of sex and you're hot and you're the front man of a band you want something that like you feel like you can't have like he probably thought like because he he talks about it in in these interviews which are going to get to shortly like he talks about the fact that he's like not a good singer and that like he may be like i think he had a bit of imposter syndrome you know where he probably felt mm-hmm. like i'm not a great singer i don't think i'm really maybe a great lyricist and then there's this guy who's like just bleeding his life all over the page. Like I kind of want a bit of that. Like I want, you know, like maybe he was getting a lot of fans, but he wanted the fans that were like, dude, you're, you changed my life. Your music changed my life. You saved my life. You know, like I feel like that's what corn kind of did for people in a way that like sugar Ray's just never going to do that. Fly didn't save anybody's life. (laughs) You know, it's also kind of, it's also kind of like funny to think about, like, it's like how musicians want to be comedians and comedians want to be musicians. Totally. Like if, if either one of them could pick the other job, they would probably pick the, I mean, I would, if I, if I could be in a band, that's what I would fucking do. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. You want to be a comedian. That's not cool at all. (laughs) Yeah. I think when you're in a band, you think like, Oh, comedy, I don't have to carry anything. (laughs) It's just me. I don't have any bandmates telling me what I can and can't do i just show up and start talking hell yeah and then when you're a comedian like i mean i've done both i mean obviously i was never in a successful band and i'm not that successful of a comedian but i played in bands for the first like all throughout university i was in a band for like five years and i think yeah when when i was in the band i played drums so i was like man it'd be nice to have the microphone and it'd be nice to kind of like be able to talk to the crowd and like be a guy instead of just being like trapped behind these drums. But then, yeah, when you're a comedian, you kind of have the thought of like, God, it's really all on me, isn't it? I'm I'm just it. Yeah. I'm just up here talking. It'd kind of be nice to just be playing some drums. And you especially feel that when you do like corporate stuff. Because like if you play, if you're like a musician and you get hired to play like a corporate function, it's like you can't really fuck that up. I mean, even if people no. aren't really paying attention, you're just at least playing the music you're you're do there no one can say you did a bad job like if you're getting hired as a band to play a corporate function and you show up and you play the songs competently you've done your job there's no argument there's nothing no one can say you didn't do the thing you were contractually obligated to do whereas when you're a comedian you show up if the room is set up poorly if people aren't paying attention if they put you on too late in the program whatever and people aren't laughing now all of a sudden you're like shit should i be getting paid like yeah. i technically did the thing you paid me to do but everyone hated it <laughs> there's also something about being like in a band there there's also something that appeals 
uh, that I think people in bands want to be comedians and that like they think they're funny. Like comedians have a certain right. amount of humility about being funny where it's like, well, you know, I don't really know if it's funny until I get it in front of an audience where like a guy in a band is just like, I'm fucking hilarious, man. I'm always getting into hijinks on the tour bus and stuff. Uh, the band's always cracking up with me. It's like, man, pl- things in the van play a lot differently than things on stage. You know, it's That's like, have you one thing I've learned? Have you seen a band where the where the rest of the band clearly hates the lead singers bantering? I I, I would have never noticed it, but uh, uh, I I have to imagine there's a lot of that. I, I one, recently read something about it, about a band, and I cannot fucking remember who it was. But the, oh, Pantera used to get like just like shut the fuck up to Phil because he would go on these rants that and, you know, Phil Anselmo, you do not want going on an unscripted rant on stage. <laughs> no, like, He's yeah. going to say something bad and uh, they would be like, why can't he just shut up and sing the fucking song so yeah i have seen it but uh my experience with it was dime bag daryl just starting to throw beers into the audience so people wouldn't pay attention to what phil's saying <laughs> i feel like the one bad example i've seen is this band from here but they're they have some notoriety mother mother uh they're they're a vancouver band but they're 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 well known across canada and i think they've done some touring in the states and stuff but their lead singer will full-on just like essentially do a stand-up comedy routine in between songs like we're talking two three minutes he's like trying to be funny and like you can tell the band is like they listen to it every night right like people like i will say people do laugh like i think he 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 genuinely is a funny guy and he has good comedic timing like it's not like he's bombing like the audience is laughing but you can tell that for the band it's like this is every night like every oh, night really... the band's like can we just play the fucking songs can we pl- like just please we just want to play the songs and go home i really want him to be bad though you know yeah not oh funny, i'm sure there are lots that are bad that are bad like he's an ex- he's just an example i can think of of someone who talks a lot but like i said i do i do think he is actually funny but he but it's just yeah you can just tell that like it it, the, it wears on the band but it does also wear on the audience eventually because then they're just mm. like oh this is going to be every song like every yeah. song he's gonna he's gonna do a little a little number for us you know or whatever so you, it, you know what's it, funny it, yeah it eventually it eventually wears on you i think you know it's funny now that you bring that up i have been to a show where the band was annoyed with the lead singer and uh uh it was deftones I went to a uh, Deftones opening for Godsmack at a amphitheater and Chino was fucking shit face drunk. Like he, he, and, and they would launch into the intros of songs and he'd be like, wait, wait, stop. And then he would stop them from playing. And then they would just, he would start talking. He'd be talking for like two minutes and then they would just start playing the songs and he would just not really even be able to sing them. And it was like a really weird fucking night. One of my top favorite concerts I ever went to, but it was <laughs> so fucking obvious that the band was annoyed with them. Cause they would just start like the intro to the song and have to stop because he oh wouldn't shut God. up. He was wearing two gold chains and he was calling he was calling them dookie chains and he kept like holding them up and he would stop in the middle of songs like i remember he stopped in the middle of be quiet and drive 
and like they had to stop playing and then they had the the part where it's like da, 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 da. that part went on for like a really long time because he kept stopping them and they had to keep starting it over again because you know you want that good part of the song you want the breakdown from the song so yeah. like he kept fucking it up and it was just <laughs> this like really funny show where it's like all of the power behind the instruments uh was just taken away by this lead singer goofing off because he was drunk and then i ended up reading that on that tour they were really drinking a lot like they say that they were they were hanging with Godsmack and just getting drunk and it's like uh it's such a weird tour too like deftones actually yeah. went on the road with gods Godsmack, but won't go on the road with corn yeah i have the shirt my, my friend Maddie got it for me for Secret Santa two years ago. He founded a thrift shop at Deftones Godsmack tour shirt. <laughs> so yeah. I have it. I, I have left it before cool. Godsmack. I left nice. before Godsmack. One of the happiest moments was finding out Deftones were going on before Godsmack. And it was like, holy shit, I don't even have to see Godsmack. Woo, I'm out of here. I only, I, the only time I've seen Godsmack is when they open for Metallica. Uh, and they were like, they were decent, man. I, I don't, they were, they were fun. I, I didn't mind I've it. I, I don't really listen to Godsmack, but they were fun live. They did like, uh, cause Sully's a drummer too. So they did like a little drum solo y thing with Sully yeah. and the drummer. That was pretty sick. Voodoo. Voodoo. Oh, I'd love to cover that. Stand alone. on the show i don't have godsmack <laughs> in because uh, i'm doing my theme i should have got godsmack in this month but uh uh maybe one I, month, I'll, I'll get do- him in i'll get him in i was actually i was actually uh deciding on a second album uh i have one i want to do for sure so this i'll, I'll get godsmack in the poll what's what's the gonna- one we want to do do we want to do their first one their self-titled one my theme with the, with was the, good. like uh, with the girl on the front. If I do Godsmack, I if I was going to pick Godsmack, my theme would be conservative lead singers, and I would yeah. pick uh, yeah. And the one with the girl on the front's what you want the one with voodoo on it. Because yeah, that's that the one that song, has voodoo on it. That song's voodoo. a top funny song. Voodoo. That's gonna win. That album is definitely gonna win. It might. I think. It might, uh, yeah. But yeah, this album, uh, not I'm good. Not I'm dying for it. <laughs> I stay alone. <laughs> I kind of God's back make kinda... me laugh, man. Yeah, they make me laugh hard. I'm not I... dying for it. <laughs> I'm Chino right now. <laughs> yeah, I got my Dookie chains, and I'm just cutting you off nonstop. Yeah, he did sing "Fuck the Police" too up there, though. That <laughs> of was course he neat. did. Nice. But uh but uh with this album it's like this is I was so mad not when it won cuz I was kind of like oh I'm interested I'll listen to Sugar Ray but then it beat Roots by like a half of a percent. Oh, Roots Roots is getting so uh, no Floored destroyed. Floored won by like oh. 20%. It was the oh, month before okay. that Sepultura lost to Gold Cobra by like half a percent. Um, but ah, Sepultura has okay. been in the poll and every time it comes second to like what it never yeah. comes third or fourth. It always comes second. It just, but it just no can't get Sepultura. a win. Can't get no a Sepultura W for that's a while. No, it's out. It's gone for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Sugar Ray, let's get to some articles on Sugar Ray. I wanted to start with this quote because this is a good one. Uh, <laughs> this one is not from one of the ones I sent you. I found it later, but gives us gives you, I think, a good picture into mark mcgrath's 
sort of mind at this time because he's talking about fly and he says uh you know uh that fly had a bouncy beat uh but mark mcgrath wanted to you know didn't necessarily want to have bouncy lyrics and he says there's a stark imagery in there there's loss in it there's the loss of a mother obviously i thought it was a good way to juxtapose the lyrics with the melody on that similar to what gilbert o'sullivan did on alone again naturally which is like so funny because again the lyrics of fly like he's like i'm talking about the loss of a mother it's like jonathan davis writes an entire song you know entire songs about his stepmother and going through this torture and the the pain that he's in and loss and all of these horrible things and mark mcgrath's idea of stark imagery is being like my mother god rest her soul like 25 years old my mother she loves me so my mama god rest her soul just wanna fly it's like that's not no one no one heard fly and was like damn those lyrics are heavy oh those, God, that's, that's about heavy a shit that's all about a around dead the mom. world statues crumble for me Ooh, oh heavy heavy stuff <laughs> that's about a mom that's about a dead mom that's one of those dead mom songs that's so famous <laughs> i can't believe this song is fraught with emotions and feelings. I can't, you know what? And also you don't have to say Gilbert O'Sullivan. You could say Weezer who does exactly the same thing. I write poppy songs with sad lyrics. That's not Gilbert O'Sullivan. Get out of here. (laughs) Who even knows who Gilbert O'Sullivan? I have no idea who the fuck that is. That's the funny part of it is that he's referencing a playwright and (laughs) it just, yeah, it's, it's very funny to me that, yeah, of all the people who have ever done that, um he references <laughs> gilbert o'sullivan i, oh, I was never... thinking of gilbert and sullivan <laughs> gilbert yeah. o'sullivan is a irish singer songwriter uh who was uh popular in the early 70s um, oh yeah. i was gonna say so i've never seen the... a play in my life john so i mean i don't oh, know really? anything about plays you could have yeah me. so i mean Alone never Again, been... naturally was the number one single uh for six weeks in a row in 1972 Okay, I would never know that. No. But uh no, I've never been to a professionally done play. I've been really? to high school plays. Yeah, oh, plays you make should me go, uncomfortable. Man. Why? They're plays, good. What kind of play would I go to? Go to like a sick one. Go to like Tommy or like go to one with good songs that you would get into. Even Wicked, I think you'd love those songs in Wicked. Rock of Ages, I might go to yeah, that one's my Rock one of I Ages, get down dude. To. Get down to it, baby. There's lots. I don't know. I like, I like going to plays. I've been to lots of. I've been to lots. American of idiot. I could. I could go to American. <laughs> the Spider Man one. I would love to go to the Spider. What's that one I called? Turn I out the lights. Am I making that turn up? Turn on the dark or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Sounded very weird. I yeah. got this piece Spider-Man here. Musical. Uh, yeah. Turn off the dark. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, I got this little piece from one of the articles. McGrath has rewritten his role from hell-raising party animal to sensitive romantic, waxing alternatively wistful or glowingly appreciative about the loss or a possession of a good woman's love. When McGrath skipped an interview last week at a Hollywood coffee shop, he wasn't being a truant 
but a Boy Scout. His 85-year-old grandma needed a ride from Newport Beach to San Diego for emergency post-operative cataract treatment. So McGrath left it to his four upbeat and enthusiastic bandmates to hold forth over soup and cappuccino. Calling the following day from his apartment in Hollywood, McGrath outdid his cohorts in upbeat enthusiasm, cheerfully complaining that publishing his excuse would undo his bad boy credentials. Please don't say anything. It's not too rock and roll, is it? It'll ruin my whole stupider than thou image. And what that does is that takes me to when I was saying he's full of shit. I don't think that Mark McGrath quit because of the song fly. I think that I really, I think that is something they had to do in, in a a publicity, like when you're doing publicity for something like this uh, uh, and you're being accused of being a sellout pop band with a handsome lead singer, you can, you got to pretend you didn't sell out. Yes, yes. And the lead singer, it's like, no, you guys might think that Mark McGrath is the reason we sold out because the rest of us are ugly, but that's not even true. (laughs) He was the one he wanted to go even heavier. We had to tell him like, no, Mark. That was very good. It just really got me because the rest (laughs) of us are ugly. (laughs) No, the the hot guy didn't come up with our poppy song. It was us ugly no. fucking losers who came up with this piece of shit. Yeah, but believe it or not, you know, I can't even get a girlfriend. And I'm in a fucking famous rock band. So <laughs> Yeah, so to, tell to, to go further off of that, this is the actual backstory that they've given from the LA Times. There are two things that are really funny to me about this. So the first one is, uh, is yeah, so they were, um, when uh, McGrath, and they actually detail that he stormed out because he wanted them to do more screaming metal. It says, when McGrath stormed out of a practice in October 1996, he wanted Sugar Ray to play screaming metal like Corn. Cohorts Rodney Shepard, Stan Frazier, Murphy Cargis, and Craig DJ Homicide Bullock were holding out for a more melodic rock approach. It seemed that Sugar Ray's karma would be fulfilled at any instant inspiration knocked instead car just started noodling a two chord figure on his base and bullock fell in and scratched out a beat on his turntable shepherd entered with an airy descending guitar hook and frazier got up from his drum kit grabbed a microphone and started singing what he felt which was a need to escape the band's dismal condition at that moment i just want to fly put your arms around me baby mcgrath hated it but nickel talked mcgrath into developing lyrics around what his bandmates had written now, this is the first part I want to stop at because number one, if this is true, it's very funny that McGrath didn't even write the chorus lyrics. And number two, there is no way that that is why he wrote those lyrics. I've been in more than enough band practices. When the drummer gets up and starts singing, it is to either A, make fun of the lead singer or B, dick around. Like the drummer does not get up to be like, you know what? I've unlocked the lyrics on this song. Guaranteed, he got up and was like, everyone was laughing and he was just like, I just want to fly. Put your arms around me, baby. And then they're like, Mark, you can probably write something better than that. I mean, I was honestly just like fucking around. I don't know. I'm the drummer. And Mark's like. Nah, dude, that's it. <laughs> Your joke lyrics are perfect. I don't need to change them. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they make no sense. It feels like it's like tailor-made to be in the uh, uh, Sugar Ray 
biopic, the Sugar Way Ray Rock biopic, where where like you actually named the biopic there with the slip of your tongue, the Sugar Way, <laughs> the Sugar yes, Ray story. <laughs> but I mean, it, this story it reads so false to me that the, yeah. even just the first part of the story it reads so false to me it's like no i mean you wouldn't believe it you know you would think that i was a guy that wrote massive hits on purpose but this was an accident i was gonna quit the band because i thought it was a dog shit song i thought rpm was gonna be our meal ticket yeah well and it's it's funny because like I've been reading, I think I've referenced it on here before, but uh, my favorite music blog is Stereo Gum, and Tom Brahan writes a, a column three times a week called The Number Ones, where he reviews every song that ever went to number one on the Billboard 100. And um, <clears throat> he's, he's really far, like he's already been doing it for four years. He's at like 1988 right now. Um, and it's really interesting how many very, very famous songs supposedly came together in 10 minutes. Like that is a story you hear so often. Yeah. That, you know, we were in the studio for two years, but, uh, let it be. Yeah. We wrote that in like seven minutes. I don't even know. Just, it was crazy. Uh, you know, and that's like the story for so many of these songs. It's either like, it was it, there was like 10 different songwriters and it was like way overproduced or it was like, yeah, you know, I was just I was just really mad at everybody and I was sitting in a corner by myself and I just like wrote this song in like six minutes and it was like crazy, you know, and it's just so funny. And then McGrath goes on to say, when I first heard the beginnings of Fly, I said, I'm quitting, McGrath recalled. But McGee has been very involved from day one as the band's psychologist, therapist, and collaborator. He said, where else are you going to go? Work at Del Taco? McGrath saw the wisdom in that. And it's just like, again, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't track with me because this was a band that was clearly trying to get famous. So like that is like that was your moment of like, I'm putting my foot down at fly us writing 10 different songs in the style of 10 different bands to try to get famous. No problem. <laughs> fly. That is where I draw the line. And then famous music video director McGee talk some sense into me it's like okay whatever man <laughs> yeah it, it is such a stupid story and 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 like i could write the script right now of of what happened you know where it's like okay so they're sitting in practice and everybody's looking like beaten down by the hard work that they've been doing this whole for through this recording session we're just not getting anywhere the fucking guitarist probably looks at the drummer and is like nothing's happening what i mean what are we supposed to do and mark's not being helpful he's just drinking and acting fucking crazy and then all of a sudden you know, boom, 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 boom. The, the drum kicks on and they're like, okay. And then the guitar player is like, okay. And he starts like kind of shaking his head and looking at him and then plays the riff. And then Mark McGrath is like, I'm out of here. And he leaves. <laughs> and then the scene switches to the next day. And it's like, let's try that flash song again. And then like you see the album chart with an arrow pointing up as they travel across the country on a little map of the, of the American flag on their world tour. And then it takes over. They take over the world. Now I want to see the sugar Ray biopic. Now me the too. Sugar Ray we got to make it the sugar way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's other bands I'd rather. I mean, I think better than the Sugar Ray biopack. If I had to pick one band, I'll even ask you this. If I had to pick one band that we've covered, it's Puddle of Mud. I do the Puddle of Mud biopic. The Puddle of Mud biopic? I think Ooh. it's the best one. I think it's the best of all the bands we've done. I mean, done. Wes Scantlin, you could do a lot with him just being an insane person. Yes. Um, yes. <clears throat> it's a comedy. <laughs> a comedy biopic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who I would choose. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad choice. It's not a bad choice. Uh, it has to be Puddle of Mud or, or P.O.D. Because I think they were the two bands that came off as the weirdest and most full of shit until Sugar Ray, which I do feel is like very high on a level of full of shit, full of shit. You know, they are well, like they're so full of shit. Well, yeah, this whole like um, like so this is from the same L.A. Times article and th this article was from the 1459 press tour. So they're kind of looking back on Floored and talking about how the how the band is like decided to switch to sort of a more pop sound. And it said uh, Carr just says we never had any credibility. Nobody ever gave us any. So how could we <laughs> lose any? Which is funny, but also like, I mean, Okay. And then he says, uh, th then the article says, well, readily conceding that much that would embarrass most alterna bands, Sugar Ray's members gently insist that the smiling pop of 1459 reflects not just a shrewd gambit to avoid the scrap heap of one hit wonder the wonderdom, although they will admit that's part of it, but also a natural outgrowth of their musical backgrounds and interests, which is no, like that's just a lie i mean they were doing something completely different and then pivoted <laughs> when they got famous and then yeah. it goes on to like be even more of a lie because it says it also marks their development from young frat rockers to the more matured crew they are now that they've arrived in their late 20s and early 30s again keep in mind 1459 and florida are two years apart I know you yeah. do a lot of growing in your 20s, but like, I mean, let's get serious. It says sensitive songs were verboten on the first two Sugar Ray albums. Anyone who brought one in probably would have been laughed out of the rehearsal room in accordance with the band's Animal House rules. We couldn't break down that wall and say, this is a song about my girlfriend, you guys, and I don't want to hear any guff about it, Fraser said. Said McGrath, there's always been a sort of implicit rule in this band that you can't talk about relationships, a sort of macho posturing where you couldn't say, I love you or I'm hurting. I don't think we ever believed in ourselves that we could say something universal and personal, but it has evolved. So you're telling me that you wanted Floored to be like Corn. But you also had a rule where you couldn't talk about anything emotional or personal on the albums. Yeah. Like, what is it, Mark? What, what? What is? What is it? Pick one or the other, because those two things are not the same. We want to be fun corn. That's what he's <laughs> yeah, saying. Like, we want to be fun fuck? corn. We want to be non spooky fun corn. You know, My, but he is. I like that. I like that quote also because it shows a sense of humor. And there was a quote that I really liked in one of these interviews that showed a sense of humor. And it as uh, uh, he is talking about a woman who broke his heart. 
uh, when he's asked if he would ever get married, he's kind of like, oh, I don't think I should. You know, women are bad. And uh, they say, does the woman who broke your heart know where you are now? Number one. Yes, she does. Obviously, everybody. Obviously, there was like the most famous song in the world for like three months. (laughs) I think we all know that, you know, sometimes when I'm listening to Howard Stern, he'll be like, I wonder if she remembers me. And I'm like, yes, yes. Well, it's also like your high school. It's like I remember all of my exes like i'm just like a 35 none of them are famous but i remember them and of course like it's human nature to be like i wonder what my exes are up to now if your ex is fucking famous of course you know what they're up to right now yeah you gotta be like i mean listen i don't i don't know what my ex does for a living any of my exes do for a living but uh uh if one of them wrote a number one hit song that couldn't actually be considered a number one hit song because they never recorded it as a single and was in a band with a bunch of ugly people i would definitely fucking know who she was so they ask her they ask him this and he says you know what the worst part she wouldn't even give a fuck about this she'd see me on mtv and say of course he's on mtv he's a jerk off and that makes me insane she's really a granola colorado springs cabin type there's nothing i could do to impress her except turn into dan haggerty now let me help you dan at haggerty played a character named grizzly adams okay i don't even know i didn't i did not get that i did not get that reference at all so i'm glad right, you're he's clearing old. it up for me how old is he is he i don't I, know I, gotta, you're, I don't know oh mcgrath you mean yeah 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 well it said he was 29 in 1999 so he's oh so he's much older than me so he's 51 now yeah oh yeah he's 11 years older than me so that that's what i was wondering i was like why are all of his fucking cultural references like fucking grizzly adams (laughs) yeah gilbert o'sullivan (laughs) i was trying to figure that out yeah well i also um, like uh i love that so the the one you're reading is from rolling stone and i all this is such a rolling stone question and kind of like gets to what you and i are getting at or that you've brought up a few times like only rolling stone would ask this question do you think the band would have caught on like this if you were ugly <laughs> it's a good question though it's a, it's a good truth, question and i like his answer was, his, his answer was really good he said the song really blew up before the band did as far as staying in the limelight it's been a good thing you know you sound like an asshole if you answer this question <laughs> Yeah, I think it's he's good. Right, I think it's though. fair. Yeah, that he's like seeing it. He's like, what am I supposed to say? Like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I do. I, I genuinely think Mark McGrath is like an actual like good guy. But these quotes absolutely. are. But these quotes are very great. funny. They're unfortunate. Some of the quotes are very unfortunate, and uh, I, I get it, man. Um, the other quote I had uh, that I really liked was about nostalgia. And uh, I really like his answer uh, when they ask him about what it's like to be a nostalgia act. It seems like every 15 years, the irony of a decade hits its full stride. He's right. The 90s never really died. There was never that demarcation. We knew the 80s was over. The second Nevermind came out. I was like, first of all. Uh, do you remember a band called Limp Biscuit? Like they were when <laughs> I guess that happened in the two yes. thousands, but uh, yeah. never mind. Never mind. Came out the eighties looked stupid a week later, but the nineties never really ended. They have you still have bands from then that are touring that are in the top ten, and they never made any new rock stars. So any they never made any new rock stars. So it took a while for it to end. Uh, uh, I really <clears> like that. 
I like that quote because I mean, other than I don't think he's very aware of what people think about stuff, but like uh, the nineties ended, like there's a definitely demarcation between the nineties and the two thousands. They just don't fit. I mean, he even in, in his own, in his own words said it's every 15 years, they don't fit neatly in decades, but I definitely can tell a difference between nineties and the two thousands, the two thousands and now, yeah. you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I like the way he went on later on too to talk about the, you know, he said the, the question was some bands are comfortable just doing old songs that people like other bands fight against the idea. Their best material has already been recorded. <clears throat> and he said, it's a sad state of affairs to look at yourself in the mirror and go, the ride's over. Michael Jordan had to look himself in the eyes and go, my basketball career is over. There's a point where you have to go. It's over. It's done. Us as a viable recording act is over. It's really hard for most bands to do that. Some bands can't accept that they're a nostalgia act. Only in music is nostalgia a bad word. To me, it's a beautiful word. It means at one time, my songs meant a lot to you. Maybe they still do. Maybe Fly was on the first time you kissed a girl am i saying i don't wish i still sold 10 million records and i'm so happy with the way my recording career is i just released an ep i paid for it by myself and it sold about 100 copies i come from a model of selling millions of records we all tried to be legacy bands once you sell a few million records you're like how do i become aerosmith none of us stopped at a few hits and said all right that's enough we all swung for the fences some of us didn't do it but my god we had a hell of a career and I just think that that's like cool and like a healthy way to look at it. And he, in another one of these, he talked about like how he thinks it's like bullshit that like nostalgia acts won't play their hits or they think it's like embarrassing or something. He's like, when I go to the shows, I, that's all I want to hear. Like, I don't give a shit. Of course we play the hits. Like, that's what you do. So can I, can I do, can I just say like, uh, seems a little weird for him to, uh, compare himself to Michael Jordan. Maybe he should have said Horace <laughs> Grant. Had to look in the mirror <laughs> at some point and decide it was time to retire. He's yeah. more Horace Grant than Michael At some Jordan. point, he put on Horace Grant's goggles, and the goggles were a little too blurry. <laughs> and that's yeah. when he knew it was all over. He uh, picked, like, the most, like, the yeah. greatest basketball player ever. Yeah. At some point, Michael Jordan had to look himself in the eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan made more off of one shoe release than Sugar Ray made in their whole career. But yeah, you know, it's yeah. a fair comparison. I mean, you know, and I I remember being really shocked when I saw him on Extra the first time because, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't watch that shit. I, do, I, I don't watch it now. I, it, he was on there in the 2000s. So it was or maybe even the 2010s. So it was kind of like, what the fuck is he doing on here? And uh, 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 I can't believe extra still on the air, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, it was it was pretty shocking to see him on there. And uh, he tells some pretty good stories about that in these articles, too. He talks about William Shatner being a prick to him and yeah. perfectly. I love that piece of it because he calls William Shatner Captain Kirk, which is what yeah. you do when somebody treats you like shit. You call them by their character name. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, he, he seems like a good guy floored a truly wild album let's get to our tweet defense here for those of you who are new to the pod cast this is our rating system for these albums where if someone were to tweet at you and say that floored is bad uh how many tweets would you tweet back at them in defense of the album brian your thoughts uh you know i'm gonna defend this album a little bit and in a way that's uh in a way that is a little bit um off the like this is usually a straight ahead number for me review i would say listen to this album 
I would give it a five and just keep saying like, I mean, it's very funny. It is a very funny album. And when I respond, because that's what it is. It's not good. It's it's not even particularly enjoyable to listen to, but it is very funny. And uh, that is not a crime to me. So a uh, uh, four. I'm going to give it a four. Nice. Yeah, I, I think like what you're saying is so true. It, it's weird. You know, we've done now. This is our 19th album. We've done almost we've done nine singles. Uh, you know, we've had a chance to look at a bunch of different bands from all over the scope of new metal. And like, there's just certain albums that excite me to talk about in a way that others don't. And it's like a different feeling. It's like when we did white pony, I was like excited to talk about white pony. Cause it's like genuinely one of my favorite albums of all time. But when you do something like floored, it's like a different kind of excitement. It's like this weird, like, you know, I guess it's like the same kind of thing as like a cult classic movie or something. It's like you listen to this album and you feel like it's something that you arrive at because you're like part of a club, you know, like you and I are like part of a club where we would like sit down, listen to this, analyze it, want to talk about it. We're talking about it to an audience of people who want to hear about it. Like there's just something. Yeah, there's something about this podcast. I think that at times it feels like magical in a way like, and this is like really overstating this album, but this had that feeling of like, I was listening to it driving to work today uh, for like the third time. And I was like, I can't wait to talk to Brian about this. Like there's just, it's just so deeply fucking weird. It's so of its time. Uh, Fly is a genuinely great song. And there's just so much going on here, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, I, I honestly think it, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I think it's, it's a, like a four to six even, like, I feel like I would get in it. I could get in a zone where I'd be like, yes, I know it's not good, but like, you also should listen to it and just talk about RPM or stand and deliver or like someone tweeted us today. I can't wait to hear what you guys say about stand and deliver. Like one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Yeah, totally. Right. Like it just, yeah, there's a lot going on here. So this, this, this album almost exists outside of the tweet defense score. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, and I hated it. And, um, that's really all you can ask for from an album on the POD cast. So, uh, yeah, so this is a, I'll give it a solid, I'll give it a five. I said four to six, so I'll give it a five. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it is, it, I mean, I can't stress enough how much it sucks, which makes it so interesting and stand and deliver. I do want to say is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. I mean, it's up there with theory of the dead man, which you know, street fight <laughs> people know that theory of a dead man's the worst band I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and, uh, uh, this song is right up there with it. It's, it's so fucking stupid. And it's just the way it's sung is embarrassing. It yeah. like, makes you feel <clears throat> uncomfortable. And I do want to say like these guys, you know, it almost would have been good for Limp Biscuit if these guys would have succeeded as a metal band because like they would be the whipping boys instead of Fred Durst. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like they totally. were the frat. They were a frat rock album. This, this was all frat rock shit. And it was what they accused the Limp Biscuit of being Limp Biscuit would probably be considered like a Deftones now. If fly wasn't on this <laughs> album. Yeah, no, you're right. No, for sure. It, it, it's really interesting. And 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I loved it. It was awesome. There was lots to talk about and, uh, and it was great. And yeah, stand and deliver truly, uh, truly a song for no one. Like there's no one on earth who thinks that's a good song. Uh, so yeah, congratulations, Sugar Ray. Uh, you've written one of the worst songs we've ever heard on a podcast. That's almost exclusively about bad songs. Uh, if you want to this. Listen to this real quick. Yeah, of yeah. Deep meaning philosophies where only showbiz loses. Where the dandy highwaymen and here's your invitation. Free yourself of the other war world and join our insect nation. Stand and deliver your money or your life. Try and use a mirror, no bullet or a knife. And even though you fool your soul, your conscience will be mine. Like that is the lyrics of Stand and Deliver. <laughs> it is so embarrassing to listen to it's the top it's more <clears throat> embarrassing than than dropping plates which is Ooh. was another very embarrassing song yeah i feel like that's the that's our sort of pantheon is like reggae jam dropping plates yeah. and now stand and deliver those are sort of the three <laughs> the triple crown if you will of uh <laughs> of bad songs in the pod cast they, uh, they it belongs with those two it belongs in that company it belongs in that well, hall get of fame. naked is in there for me too i think after yeah. we had to do that for a y'all want a single i i think get naked's in there too it's a there's a lot going on, but speaking of that single, if you want to check out uh, some more POD cast content, you can head over to patreon.com slash the POD cast. And that's cast with a K like the band corn. Uh, we do three bonus episodes every month. We do one full length album episode uh, where we review an album last month. We had Bryn uh, Niebuhr from stay inside on uh, to discuss a very puzzling album called rap rocks or sorry, loud rocks. Um, so that's up there now this month. We're going to be reviewing the spawn original soundtrack uh so that might actually be good i think there's some good songs on there so that should be fun uh and then we do two short single reviews every month so like we like i referenced the last one we did was get naked uh by methods of mayhem and we got a couple good ones coming up this month as well and you can also donate to choose what album or song we review so all that's over on our patreon you can check that out you should also follow us on twitter at the pod underscore cast uh we do polls every month uh, that are nice for you to vote in you get a chance to <clears throat> uh, contribute to what we review on this show so make sure you follow us over there uh, speaking of polls uh, brian you are uh, officially back in the winner's column uh, you won last month's challenge quite handily i might add uh, which was to write a song in the style of fred durst making fun of autotune about five years after everybody else was making fun of autotune <laughs> uh, where you wrote you you suggested fred should do a song about bacon um, and uh, yeah so you won uh, so congratulations i'm happy for you uh, on that one uh, so this is this month's challenge if again if you're new to the show every month we do a challenge based on something on this album and obviously brian we've talked a lot about the song rpm this month's challenge is to write a song uh, around a sound effect uh, like rpm is written around the revving of car engines uh, what did you come up with for this one it's called knife daddy and it is the sound <laughs> of course it it's called knife daddy it's two <laughs> sounds it's two sounds it's this 
the knife flick, <laughs> but it's also me biting a grape because I'm like really into grapes right now. I was eating them at the beginning of the show. So it's just that's what it's called. It's knife daddy. It's about stabbing stuff. And it's just you hear the knife flick and then a grape bite and then a knife flick and then a grape bite. And uh, then maybe a because knife you brought up flick and then a grape bite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love grapes right now. I just ran out. Um, I'm really bummed about it. But yeah. Well, are you flick, green, green or red? Bite. I like black, but I just finished green. Oh, black. Okay, like yeah. it's just I'm whatever's a green grape good. guy. I don't like red or black. I'm a green grape I guy. I like black and red and green but I, I just bought some green ones i was like mm, okay whatever but yeah bites a grape flicks a knife bites a grape flicks a knife <laughs> and that's, honestly that's if it was in song. the style of sugar ray those would be the lyrics too bite a grape yeah, yeah. flick a knife bite a grape flick a knife <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny though you know it's funny you we now that you've brought up now that we've brought up dropping plates and reggae jam all i'm thinking about right now is a little something for your ear holes <laughs> dropping plates. it is i mean if you haven't heard dropping plates by disturbed do yourself a favor Turn this this podcast off and go listen to that right now. Uh, So, Brian, by the way, your win now moves the record to 10 wins for me, seven for you, one tie. Uh, My song, I felt like it was only appropriate because I think Sugar Ray was really trying to go for like a California, a California vibe, you know, revving the car. It meant something to them and their scene. So I thought I got to do something that means something to me. And I'm I'm going to base a song around a laugh track, uh, you know, because I'm a comedian. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. So I would have like a laugh track, but with like a DJ. Same same vibe as this song where a DJ scratching the laugh track like in and out. Um, but then I would try to get like philosophical with it, um, where I would kind of talk about how like the, you know, the laughter is fake and like the world is fake and we're all just kind of like laughing at each other, you know, get like a real deep sort of meaning into it. The song would be called, um, laughing inside. Um, and Mm. it would just be, yeah, very heavy, you know, so people would hear the laugh track and they'd be like, shit, maybe I'd even do like an archival clip from like all in the family or something where there's like a joke and then the laugh track and people are like, Oh, this song's going to be fun. But then it's like real heavy. Um, and so that is my, that's my, my sound effect song, uh, is, uh, is called laughing inside. Um, it's like a so nothing yeah. face song. It is. You it's just a big wrote time. A nothing face song. <clears throat> yeah, it's because we did the nothing face single before we did this episode, and I feel like it's got me in that zone. I also just think like I think of Sugar Ray as well, and I think like Mark McGrath is kind of like that sort of. I think he's a smart guy, but I think the way he approaches writing songs is very like paint by numbers. So I was kind of trying to go with that too. It's like if I was trying to be Mark McGrath and be deep, how would what would that look like? And I feel like that's what it would look like. Uh, So that's that. Uh, We now have one last piece of business to take care of, which is the poll. Uh, Again, if you're new to the show every month, Brian and I will put two albums up on the poll. Pardon me. And then you vote on our Twitter Usually we post it around the end of the month. Uh, You vote and you get to choose which album we review. Uh, So we put two albums up each and then you go over to twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast with a K and you get to vote on which one we do. Uh, Brian, what are your uh, what are your two albums this month? There is a theme this month. Again, I brought the theme back. I like Uh, it. 
It's bros. The theme oh. this this month is bros. Okay. Bros. Okay. The first the first album is uh Power Man 5000 Tonight the Stars Revolt. Whoa. Uh, the lead singer of Power Man 5000 is Rob Zombie's brother. Uh, oh, really? So, I don't yeah, think I knew yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, you didn't? No, he's Rob no. Zombie's brother. Um, and the next album I'm going to do is Adema by Adema, which is Jonathan Davis's brother. So uh, those are the two albums I'm picking this month. Whoa, we actually have uh, we have an Adema song um, coming up in a uh, in a future singles episode. Little spoiler That's Jay alert. Devil's stepbrother, I think. It's oh, Jonathan crazy. Davis's stepbrother. Yeah. So nice. so Power Man Five Thousand and Adema for me whoa those are some inside choices i like that well earlier in the episode i'm a man of my word i will put up godsmack's godsmack uh, which i think is the first time we've put godsmack on this poll yeah. so we'll see how it does and i'm also it's funny you know i feel like you you've gone with a, a couple lower key bands and i am going with an i'm going with godsmack which i think is a big band and i'm going with another big band because it's been almost a year and a half since we did this band's first album. And I want to just continue turning the page on you so that you eventually fall in love with this band. I don't think you'll ever love them, but at least like them. I'm going to nominate Lincoln parks, Meteora. All right. So I mean, we'll pa- power man 5,000 does have a chance. We get a lot of people asking when we're sure. power man 5,000. So oh, yeah, it they does have a, lot have of a chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got a chance for sure. It's got a chance for sure. I I, I like I think it. Lincoln I like your Park, theme. I think either Lincoln Park or Godsmack will win. But uh, Power Man Five Thousand would be fun to listen to because that's another band that like I only heard a few songs growing up. Yeah. And I saw Power them live Man. A I really times. only know the uh, the Tony Hawk. This is what it's like when worlds collide. Yeah. Are that's you all ready bangs. to go? Go. Ready to go? What you wanna do, baby? Baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've, a heard good it a song. Co- I've heard it a few times. I've only played Tony Hawk for millions <laughs> of hours. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. You have, those are your four power man, 5,000 edema, Godsmack, and Lincoln park. The poll usually goes up towards the end of the month. And that's it for us on the POD cast here this month. Thanks again for tuning in to the show. And again, you can donate to the show at patreoncom slash the POD cast with a K. You can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast, and we'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.